What's up? Happy Saturday, Praise Revolutionaries. Welcome to Praise Revolution Radio, where I am your host, Tedessa J. We have a lot to unpack today, so let's get into it. Today's show is sponsored by Cincy. Cincy Butterfly Kisses, uh, sponsored by uh, Chantel Broussard. Listen, I got, I have this stuff in my house. Cincy is um, a direct smelling, smelling company that offers a safe alternative to, alternative to candles. I'm sorry, y'all, I'm talking fast. Uh, with a variety of stylish home and personal fragrance products. So they have like gels and they have diffusers and they have a real dope uh, cabinet spray that you spray after your disinfectant spray. They have um, diffusers and products that are uh, child-friendly. They have it for every room. They have plug-ins. Um, they have characters. And so if you are interested in Scentsy, see Chantel Broussard at Sensational Scentsy Butterfly Kisses. Sensational Butterfly Kisses at Instagram. And she'll take care of you. Make your house smell good. You don't want, you know, nobody to come through and your house smelling like onions. There she is. Also, if you want to become a part of her team, you can join. Um, I think there's a $59 minimum starter kit uh, fee. But you can join Chantel and make you some residual income. I know a lot of people are looking for that right now, um, you know, as the effects of COVID have affected some of our income. So check her out. That's at Sensational Butterfly Kisses at IG. And that's Cincy, y'all. I like it. You'll like it, too. Check it out. All right. Was that loud, Mike? My all right? You, you, got, you got the sound under control <laughs> for my outbursts. Okay. So today, let's get into the love word of the day, y'all. So, right, the love word of today is centered around tomorrow, which is Father's Day. We love our fathers. They don't get enough credit. We do a lot for mama. And we just, you know, wave off old dad. Um, so, you know, uh, y'all know how I do. Um, I found a quote from Father Lawrence Lovasic, who is a 20th century theologian. And Father Lovasic says, Fatherhood is a vocation in God's service to not be held lightly or frivolously, but with the serious determination of serious men. I thought the use of serious was very serious <laughs> and apropos he said it a couple of times right um and then so going down the rabbit hole as i do um i looked up the definition of fatherhood and there was some uh very uh i mean the, the definitions are, are very interesting right so mainly a man in relationship to his child or children so we're going to cover that later as relates to our heavenly father but um an important figure in the origin or early history of something, kind of like Moses is the, the father of, of law in Christianity, um, or the oldest or most respected member of a society or other body. Um, then it references a member of clergy, and then one of the definitions references, let's see, uh, basically a man who made a baby, which I thought, <laughs> I thought that was interesting too because it is finite in what it said, just a man who made a baby. And so, um, in my rabbit hole research, um, I found a scripture. It's 2 Samuel 7 and 14. And I think um, in its intent, and I always uh, disclaim I am not a theologian. 
you know, I'm just, you know, a girl seeking what thus saith the Lord. And in 2 Samuel 7, 14, as is told by the prophet Nathan, okay, he is, he is uh, basically laying out God's covenant with David. And he is saying that God says, I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men with floggings inflected by human hands. And then it goes on to say, but I will continue to love him. Um, but uh, four, 15, okay, Samuel 7 and 15 says, but my favor will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. And so as I kind of studied uh, some uh, theological supplement, it was suggesting that, you know, God was making his covenant not only with David, but with his lineage on down into Christ and superimposing upon him, you know, fatherhood, covering. You, you know, you might you might go to the side, to the left, to the left, and to the right, to the right sometimes, but you're going to be your you're going to be mine and I'm going to be yours. Um, and so I thought that was apropos for the day. And maybe later on, our guest can espouse upon it. I'm excited. So I'll introduce him a little later. But as we continue with the love word of the day, I would be remiss um, not to give attention to my own father. That's right. Charles W. Johnson, my daddy. Y'all, that is what you hear in the background is the Horace Silver Quintet. And the song is called A Song for My Father. So um, as I sought to, to honor my father today um, in anticipation of Father's Day, I thought about all the things my father taught me. Uh, he and my mother have been married for uh, almost almost 60 years of marriage, I think going on 55 years. Um, so so they, they taught me love and, and unity and perseverance and long-suffering. <laughs> Even though I don't do none of that because I'm single. But none, nonetheless, the example was there. Um, and so I just thought about some of the, uh, you know, the things that were important to me as a, as an only child girl, you know, with my father. So my father taught me how to play basketball and soccer and chess. And I was trying to remember, uh, he taught me this little move and he would take me to rocket games and that the love of that has continued, um, as I, you know, I'm, I'm at Toyota center on a regular basis, um, I was an international traveler by the age of three because of my father. He taught me to guard my gift. So those of you who know me know me. Well, some of the music you hear on this show and some of you who know me know I'm a vocalist. And my daddy told me, you ain't no trained singer. I mean, a trained uh, monkey, you know, just because somebody commanded me to do something, not to do it. And that served me well when I sought to, you know, be signed by record companies and things like that. Um... He told me, don't walk around with fuzzy feet and rollers in my hair. <laughs> so don't go outside the house looking like you just got out the bed. That is not attractive. He and I share a love of the Godfather. We we'll probably crank it up tomorrow. He taught me music, which is, that's my soul. Music is my soul. My father has a very, very vast collection of vinyl. Um, and so he and I share that. Um, he taught me that God is always in the midst always regardless right the bible says um that all things work together and i can tell you that my father reiterated that on a regular basis um you know and i come to him with my problems and stuff that was going wrong he said don't worry about it god is in the midst and last and most importantly my father told me taught me to stop breaking them laws 
Now, uh, that's a funny story because I don't know what laws I was breaking. <laughs> I think I'm an upstanding citizen, but your father, your daddy knows you, okay? So he didn't tell me what laws I was breaking. He just told me, Tadessa, you better stop breaking them laws. And I thought, well, shoot, just like my father in heaven knows me and knows the things that I need to give attention to, my earthly father knows that too without even seeing it. Um, I love you, Daddy. I salute you. I call him Father, and at times I call him Charles. He's a very special man. Uh, never took issue to me calling him Charles because I was the only child, and I only heard people call him that, so that's what I called him, and he was cool with it. So I love you, Charles Johnson. We're going to have a hot dog bar tomorrow and take in the Godfather as is our custom. And that's the love word of the day, y'all. So I hope y'all have something special planned for your your fathers. Mike, you gonna spend time with your dad tomorrow? Oh, tonight because I'll be busy tomorrow, so we're gonna have dinner tonight. You gonna do it at your house or? His house. Oh, all right. You are you gonna cook? We're gonna pick up fajitas. So. Picking up fajitas. All right, that sounds like fun. Okay, I'm ready to bring on my special guest. Today's guest. Here at uh, Praise Revolution Radio, very excited about this. Um, look, I asked him for his, you know, favorite gospel song, so he made me choose this one for him. <laughs> but I thought it was, I thought it was, uh, you know, indicative of his personality. I will tell you, he is uh, a man of God. Um, he is my pastor. Um, he has not always been my pastor, but I have always been at the same church. So recently he undertook uh, his pastorship at our church, the New Faith Church. And he has some big shoes to fill. But what, what I will say and I'm most proud of is that he did it his way. Um, there is a definite demarcation between the lineage and, and, and the new leadership. And he's doing a fantastic job of forging new and innovative ways uh, to bring God's word to people. So I would like to introduce to you at this time, Dr. A. Jermaine Lewis, pastor of the New Faith Church, author of A, ha a Haven of Hope, Daily Devotional, and Pathways. Pastor Lewis, welcome. Hello, how are you? I'm glad to be here. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. This is a first A first. I it think you you are, you well no you're not the first male pastor that I've had on but you're the first male pastor I've had on in this capacity. Okay. So, I'm excited. All right. So, a lot to unpack. I want to um, first address your your books. So look, I have here. Can you can y'all see that? I have a Haven of Hope, mm -hmm. which I want I want to give this away to a listener today. So y'all know I can't see your, your post while we're uh, broadcasting, but I'll go back and look and see who was tuning in and I'll raffle this off. And maybe if Pastor Lewis not too, too scared, I'll look, I'll drop it off at the, at the door <laughs> at the church and he can reach out and sign it and, it and stick it back outside. And no I have also pathways. I have a copy of pathways that I'd like to give away as well. So we're going to get into it. Listen, y'all a Haven of hope, this devotional, I love it. It's available on Amazon, and it's super cool because it's a daily devotional. So it has scripture, and it has uh, introspect, and um, I don't know. You chime in, Dr. Lewis, but look, it's it's dated on each day. So look, when I opened it, when I got it, and I opened it, 
And I was like, no, I missed half the year. But no, because <laughs> it's days. It's not indicative of the year that you're in. So it's not right. like it's not like Saturday, June 20th. It's just June 20th. Right. So look, right. you you can rotate this thing around, y'all. So I, you know, yesterday's devotion was about not crookening up God's path. Crooking it up. Was that your word, Dr. Lewis? Yeah, crooking it up. That's it. <laughs> so That's it. why why a haven of hope? How did this come about? So that came about during the pandemic. Um, just kind of looking at all the different things that were happening, you know, looking at the news, the media, and just paying attention to how people were really uh, lacking in their area of hope, their faith. Uh, people were struggling, losing jobs. And I figured, what uh, could I write? What could I do? What kind of sermons could I preach? And I don't know if you remember or not, but during that time, when we first went into the pandemic, I did a series on hope. Mm -hmm. And so what I started doing was crafting sermons. And as I was crafting sermons, I just started writing. And then it turned into 10 weeks. Then it turned into 20 weeks. Then I said, you know what? Let me just go ahead and write for 365 days. So for the next three weeks, I sat up and just started writing out from previous sermons I preached, from illustrations that I had and just started crafting out little sermon nets, as I like to call them, uh, devotionals, so that people could have and give them some area of hope during their day. That's fantastic. So, you know, this speaks for itself as to, as Pastor Lewis said, giving you hope on a daily basis. Um, I'm a person who need, I like I like a little guidance um, in my daily study, you know, just, you know, a little focus. Um, so I love devotionals. Y'all pick this up on Amazon. And like I said, some lucky listener will get this from me today or, you know, next week when I put after Pastor Lewis reach out with his glove and sign it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Pathways. This, I found this to be, I mean, I don't know. You, you tell me, I want to know how did Pathways come about? But to me, it is so apropos for the times. Um yeah. Or so perpetually apropos, actually, um, because it it's depicting the church's place in the community um, mm -hmm. in a dis in the disjunct relationship between community, nation, right, and the church, basically, right. basically. From what you know, that that's what I ascertain. Tell me about pathways. So Pathways actually came out of my demon dissertation while I was doing my doctorate. Uh, and I was a youth minister, as you know, uh, at the church for some time. And while I was being youth minister, some issues arose. Uh, and it didn't come from outside of the church, but it actually started in the church, which we had young men that were constantly going through, whether it be heinous crimes, whether it be petty crimes, whether it be you know drama at school, um, it was a, a continuous movement and action. And during that process, I started a program called Pastor Rock, which was part of my demon dissertation to take a group of young men, put them together, and start helping them to get reconnected to church, even in the midst of the challenges that they had in terms of getting jobs, in terms of feeling loved by the church, by family members, and so on. And during that time, that season, when I started writing the book, it was also a reflection of coming out of Better Way program. When Dr. Williams started the Better Way program back in the early 90s, that was his demon, um, uh, his demon project. And so I kind of built upon that foundation, 
since I came through the program was the first 10 guys that he wrote about in that program back in the early 90s when I was in high school. And then we transcended that program and I just kind of built on it. And then uh, hence came Pathways. So in in the book, there is um, an indictment that the mm-hmm. church is not absent of the problem. Can you speak on that? So basically, oh, and I think you touched on a little bit, I saw that there was a disjointed movement or a chasm between the church, community, and black men especially. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I noticed is that, you know, our churches are full of black women and, and we have a, a smaller number of black men, especially in the age bracket of 18 to 25, that attend church. So for me, the question became, after 18, what happens? Yes. What happens to that group, that age bracket? And why is the church not going after that particular group of young men to try to draw them back into Christ? What's happening to them after high school? What's happening to them after they are no longer under their parental constraints that they had to come to church? And typically what I ended up finding out was that there were no programs that there was no mentorship, uh, that there was no job placement, there was no, there was no, no one to kind of talk to these young men to help them navigate life between 18 and 25. And so I felt like the church should have played a bigger role and responsibility. We have, you know, back then it was Royal Ambassadors, now it's Rites of Passage. Mm-hmm. Um, but after Rites of Passage, then what? You mm-hmm. know, and so I think what I've, what I've learned is 18 to 25, there continual mentorship needs to be continual movement and growth between young men and seasoned men trying to help them navigate, you know, the decisions that life brings. And so I think that the the other area here is that I think that the church, and I don't think it's necessarily the sermons uh, or the Bible study as much as it is the mentorship. We got to have more mentorship for that age group. And I think that the church has to be the place for the foundation for that. So would you say Pathways is somewhat like a template for, uh, you know, community outreach programs such as that that you're speaking um, for uh, the demographic of 18 to 25? Um, it, it seemed like a perfect template, and uh, you could actually uh, morph it over into other areas of ministry that have those same types of challenges. Yes, yeah, so what I did was I tried to make this a how-to book, uh, yeah. Pathways. How to, basically, for lack of better words, how to develop a inner city ministry that's geared towards young men and using the different entities uh, through the church and that terms of men, in terms of gym space, in terms of skill set. Uh, because if men would just mentor young men, I could tell a young man how it is to have a baby out of wedlock. I could tell a young man how it is to maintain a job. I could tell a young man that you, if you're not going to go to college, you need to learn a trade. These are some of the things that I think young men need to hear from other men and that there's no such thing as fast money because the reality is that, you know, as soon as you make it, there's something else coming. And so I want to kind of think that that's something that men ought to be able to share with other young men and teaching them how to be steadfast, you know, and I think ultimately this how-to book says to inner city uh, programs, not just the church, but inner city programs, if you just go across 288, from where New Faith is, you know, at one time, Sunnyside was homicide, you know, homicide city. And and Sunnyside has a high dropout rate, but it also has a high 
uh, a crim criminal rate uh, in terms of crimes in that age bracket. So what would happen if churches took pathways and modeled that inside area? And so that's, my, that's where I'm going with it. I think that this book is a great how-to book and how to engage that community and engage the church. Uh, it was um it was very very interesting and i can tell i could tell that that was uh your intent um talk to us about the sim 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 i don't know why i can't say symbol nothing today <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the the symbolicness of okay the rock talk to us about that so the whole rock you know narrative that is perpetuated through the book is really the rock being Jesus Christ ultimately. Mm -hmm. And you know, in the and what I did was a play on words. And and the whole idea is guys who play ball, uh, I played some, you know, uh, high school ball, you know, had had some scholarships, all those kind of things. And during that time, we used to call the ball a rock. And so we would say to other guys, ask the rock. And so ultimately I took that narrative or that that theme or that mantra of basketball and carried it over so that that could be the ultimate um, hook. Because I think for everything, same thing with sermons, there's always a hook. And then the hook in a sermon is the introduction. The hook for Pastor Rock was the name, Pastor Rock. And the rock is Jesus. That is awesome. I love that. So guys, Pathways, fantastic. As Dr. Lewis said, a fantastic template or how-to um, if you're in ministry um, anywhere or seek to be in ministry or looking to not maybe maybe not even at your church, but maybe in a community at a community, uh, um, some type of community outreach program. This is a fantastic uh, template to be able to understand how to craft, um, you know, a program to speak to certain demographics, particularly younger demographics of men. And again, I think you could turn it out to, to different demographics as well. Um, very well written. Very well done. Very proud of you, Pastor Lewis, for that. Y'all can get, purchase this at Amazon as well. And again, we're giving away a copy. I want to pivot now. I want to pivot to current events. So uh, lots going on. There are lots of things we could talk about. But I want to talk about um, the unrest that's currently going on in our country that's centered around um, you know, it's ad nauseum. I really feel kind of uh, funny speaking about it um, because it's it's uh, so commonplace or has been for us. Um, but to be speaking about it so frequently and at this level um, of what to do, what to do, what to do, um, because it's been going on and it hadn't subsided. Um, it's gotten maybe passed over um, or reshaped and reformed, repackaged for us, if you will. Um, right. But uh, I've seen a couple of inquiries from people that say where is the church or what is the church's place in the midst of all this like when you see the graphic that was just up and there are regular people out in the streets um, marching and protesting for rights what where is the church where should the church be positioning itself in this current movement I, well, I think the church has always, let me first say, I think the church has always been where it's been. I don't think that the church has decentralized itself from communities. Mm -hmm. I think communities have decentralized themselves from the church. I think that the church, and for lack of better words, has always been the central focus of the black community. But I think as we've ascended in intellect, we've ascended in job positioning, we've ascended 
uh, in terms of, uh, you know, our culture and as it relates to our position. And now I can live next to, you know, a white person. Now I can live in certain communities. And I think, you know, as we've esteemed ourselves, I think that in some juncture, until something like this happens, there's a connect for the better part of a large majority of African-Americans until something like this happens. Then you hear, where's the church? But I think ultimately the church has always been where it's been. And I do think the church has a moral responsibility to speak to social justice issues, which are technically issues that are in the Bible. Amos spoke truth to power. Moses spoke truth to power. Um, Noah spoke truth to power. Jesus spoke truth to power. Paul spoke truth to power. So when you look at all of the movements from Old Testament to the New, speaking truth to power is not a new thing. But I think what has become a new phenomenon in church or in young people's lives, this whole Black Lives Matter BLM, when you look at that movement within itself, it is, a, uh, uh, for lack of better words, it's building on something that started in the season under King. And so now there's a resurgence of black pride and a resurgence of humanity. Ultimately, I think the church's place has to rest, you know, as we talked about the rock Jesus, it has to rest on the principles that God gave. Which is why I didn't preach for weeks a sermon on social justice from the perspective of vengeance, get back, enough is enough. I'm not taking this no more. I preach a perspective of love. Because when you look at the New Testament, the New Testament perspective is love Jesus, love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I think ultimately the greatest problem that we struggle with is we love ourselves too much. And one of the tricks or the underlying tricks of the enemy is to get you to or get us to be appealed to or appeal to our skin color, our humanity. But Jesus never appeals to our humanity, he appeals to our heart. And when you know that he's appealing to your heart, then you understand that everything that he talks about in the command, it's a command. Before you can do the commission, which is go out into all these lands, preaching and teaching the God, et cetera, you got to have a heart change. And so I think, again, the church, his stance needs to be social justice from the perspective of speaking truth to power in a sense, in a biblical kind of love. The church needs to stand. Thank you for that. And then uh, I think, you know, with, with the civil unrest, we've lost our focus on our other issue at hand, which is COVID-19. Um, right. And as, you know, we try to reopen or regain, as, you know, people are saying, our, some sense of normalcy, I know the mm. church has been put in a very precarious position um, because, you know, now more than ever, people need, you know, hope and, and, and uh, support um, from a spiritual uh, perspective. But there is the issue of dealing with the COVID virus as it presents itself, which means social distancing, uh, masking up. And so many pastors, uh, yourself included, I'm sure, have been placed in a, a difficult position of deciding what do we do about service? And so how has that affected how you've led i wouldn't i mean lead leadership right now is 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 you know i don't i wouldn't want to be leading nothing right now <laughs> right I, I, I think ultimately you have to follow you know some biblical perspective i think every pastor has to lead their congregation the way god is leading them but one of the things that you know has helped me to navigate this you know of course initially there's some unrest some anxiety 
Um, but then, of course, you know, scripture talks about, you know, giving your anxiety to him. Mm -hmm. uh, the other part of that, I think, about making decisions in this season is that he has given us science as a means of knowing, which comes from God, as a means of knowing different things. And then, you know, Matthew chapter four uh, is real good for me um, because it's centers me in on when Satan tried to tempt, you know, the Lord Jesus when 40 day fast, right. you know, he tried to tempt him with various things. And then one of the things that Jesus says is ultimately that one should not tempt for God when Satan tells him, throw yourself down on the ground, the Lord will, you know, resurrect you X, X, Y, Z under, uh, you know, paraphrase. But the reality is that he says, don't tempt God. And I think that when we make statements at large, I'm going back to church. I don't care about COVID, your faith, you know, this is a way your faith comes in. No, this is not where your faith comes in. This come, your faith comes in by following the recommendations that have already been given. And scripture tells us in Romans that we need to obey those who have authority, you know? And I think that in this culture, in this time, there's a given a given authority that people need to stay home. Now, of course, they released church and state, which was a big issue. Um, but I think New Faith Church, I'm following what the CDC, who and our city officials and state officials have ended. But on the flip side of that, uh, I, you know, I'm challenging our church to remain faithful because I do think there is a given area of stewardship during the pandemic. And, and that stewardship is not just money. It's time, talent, and treasure. Mm -hmm. So I think during this pandemic, you can still be a good steward and manage what God is telling you to do. And so in such, has it been challenging to change from, you know, a person-to-person -person brick and mortar, um, basically, you know, operation to a virtual uh, ministry? Absolutely. Because, well, we had already started going that way. One of the things that Doc allowed me to do, uh, Dr. Williams, was uh, navigate the church the last three years before he retired. So I've been navigating or under the umbrella of him pastoring for six years, in my opinion. Um, and so we started moving towards media, you know, before his retirement. So this was something that we wanted to do. And the other thing, too, is that, you know, because I try to stay on the cutting edge of what's happening in, in contemporary society, but also in the church world, um, I think, you know, when you start measuring, and this is before the pandemic, when you start measuring your church attendance by butts in the pews, you've missed God totally. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is there are a lot of people that are watching online. Matter of fact, since we started technically the pandemic late March, uh, early April, we've had over 40 some people join our church in two, three month period online. And, and, and so, you know, when you think about stuff like that, you know, it, it, it kind of says to me that, you know, navigating online, even though it's hard, just to get back to your question, send it back to your question, it's hard because you're preaching now, but there's no audience. There's, there's no hand. Listen, there's that no, thing no gets hand. real vertical real quick, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it is a preaching of an audience of one. That's right. Um, and so, yeah. And so now when I take my personal study, you know, my personal and I apply it to the preaching moment, I'm preaching to me and God, and then I'm ultimately preaching to myself. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and I think that's a place you got to stand. You know, one of the things I have enjoyed most, uh, 
from the virtual perspective, because obviously you know that I have been not virtual. You know, I was active in at church, but uh, is uh, communion because right. it allows me to instill in Sam that you know the the act of of acknowledging what Christ did for us doesn't have to occur. It's not you know in the four walls of the church right. and the worship of. And acknowledgement of that is everywhere and anywhere. And so yeah. just because we can't get to the church house does not mean Absolutely. we can't acknowledge and, and do, you know, worship and study and do all those things. So I have I've been very appreciative of, of the ability to start instilling that in him early to try yeah. to avoid the chasm that happens later that we were talking about earlier. Yeah when they become of age and it's just been, well, I was made to go to this place, you know, on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Sundays. Um, no, we, 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 we do, we do it all at all times when necessary. Yeah. So Dr. Lewis, I have enjoyed you today. I appreciate you stopping by and taking time on Saturday to uh, join us here at praise revolution radio. Again, very proud of what you are doing. Um, again, pathways, and Haven of Hope. I have these two works for somebody out there. I have my copies, but I'm gonna give y'all a copy. And uh, if you don't have one, you don't win mine, then go to Amazon and support. You will be blessed. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, ma'am. I appreciate you. This is the first time I got a chance to be on this whole praise revolution. I'm so excited about being on your radio show. Um, and this is radio and television slash online. We are podcasting on all podcast uh, mediums. It is on all, all online mediums. So it's, you know, we go live and then we re-broadcast uh, it via IG and Facebook Live and other mediums where you can watch it as like a show. So Apple TV and all that. Did you free? Uh, Dr. Dr. Lewis, I think you froze. Are you still there? Can you hear us? All right. Okay, so Dr. Lewis froze on us, but I want to thank him. I appreciate him. I appreciate uh, his personal leadership in my life as my pastor. I appreciate what he's doing um, at the New Faith Church um, and the community outreach um, that he's doing uh, there uh, with uh, our local and city uh, leaders as well as uh, the local representation from the police department. So, again, Dr. Lewis, thank you. And I'm sorry we lost our time, but... Uh, we, we will reconvene. All right, y'all. I want to thank y'all for joining us today here on Praise Revolution Radio. Again, if you don't have Pathways or Haven of Hope, this devotional is super dope. Y'all go to Amazon and pick that up. Um, next week, we'll start our limited summer series. We are excited to have Dr. Lakeisha Barnett. There, hey, Reverend Lewis, there he is. He's, he's still there. Uh, we're excited to have Dr. Lakeisha Barnett joining us next week and each and every fourth Sunday uh, for the next couple of months in a limited series. She'll be dropping in, and we will be chopping up all kinds of stuff. So y'all get ready, and y'all tune in for that next week. I want to uh, address our sister, Brianna Taylor. I told you that I was not going to uh, remove her uh, picture from the media package until her situation was addressed. 
Um, we are happy to announce this week that the officer involved in her uh, untimely shooting was uh, charged this week uh, with murder, but the other officers have not been. Um, and the mayor of Kentucky did some off-color things as well. Um, but, I mean, uh, St. Louis, I'm sorry. Kentucky's a state, and I know that. <laughs> but nonetheless... I said I was going to leave her picture up until her situation was uh, was addressed, and uh, it has been addressed to some extent. So we are still praying for the families of Brianna. We're still we are still praying for the families of George Floyd, uh, Maude Aubrey, and I mean you know we could sit here all day with the countless other names of people um, and uh, the brother uh, down in Atlanta. Um, so you know y'all keep praying, stay vigilant. Y'all be blessed, be dope. We're out. Thank you, Dr. Lewis. <laughs>